Well, good morning, evening, afternoon, whatever it is, wherever you are. Welcome to Smoking and Toasting. It's show number 49. This is the show that's all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. My name is Cruz. Welcome to show 49, and welcome to my always lovable co-host, Mr. Ian Barry, how are you, sir? I, I like to be called cuddly instead of lovable. Well, I was going to go with cuddly, and then something about it just seemed a little weird. <laughs> so I, I quickly, quickly bounced back to lovable. But uh, but it is, you know, yeah, you're definitely cuddly. We made it to 49, and we yeah. just have one more week, and we make that's, it to 50. That's right. And so um, I, I'll put this out there now. I've asked Joey from Specs if he'll come on for our 50th show and bring us celebratory beers uh, so we'll see if that happens he sent me he, this is what he said in his reply i got the email actually just a little bit ago he said we'll see if that can be arranged i'm like <laughs> okay obviously i have asked for him a few too many times when i've gone in the store <laughs> <laughs> he has a but, well, he has a certain dryness to his sense of yes humor yes anyway. he does yes he does so so i believe that will be happening next week for our 50th uh but today for the 49th we are excited because we're back at our home away from home. Our official uh, sponsor for the show is B&B Butchers and Restaurant at 1814 Washington Ave in uh, Houston. And uh, that's where we're broadcasting uh, did, live did from Did we today, ever mention so. the bacon? The bacon appetite? We're going to oh, have that I don't, today. I don't know if we've brought it up, <laughs> you know, ever since the we're sponsorship right. started. I don't think we've ever mentioned it. We're totally we'll have, have to have talk about it. <laughs> what I'd like to talk about real quick, though, uh, I know this is a little break from tradition, but what is this beer that you had me order? Well, this is, I was talking with uh, with Jeremiah from here at uh, B&B, and I was asking, what do you guys have on tap these days? Because we were talking about getting a beer just to kind of like start the show. And he ran across something with the word steam in it, and I said, I'll have that, because I always enjoy Anchor Steam, but uh, but I don't think this is Anchor Steam, so I'm going to actually have, we're going to have to actually bring Jeremiah on to tell us what this beer is. Jeremiah? First of all, welcome to the show. <laughs> hey guys, thank it's you. Fun being you. in your house, man. This is man, awesome. Always glad to have you guys here. Uh, actually, what we're what you guys are drinking? It's the uh, uh, Town and City, which is a local Houston uh, brewery, but it's the Uncommon Cowboy, and uh, Uncommon so it's cowboy. it's their steam like it. beer. And uh, Anchor obviously has a patent, kind of. So um, this is a similar have, style of beer. So they have a patent on. In other words, they can't. Uh, technically call this a steam beer is yes that right? exactly okay. so Anchor's, but it's the same style um, same style so. it is however brilliant it is it's, filled with malty goodness yes it is <laughs> it is malty and hoppy in very equal proportions and both of them are big yes and it's well, very balanced and, and i absolutely dig like like the malt really really rounds the hops you're yeah. not getting just yeah. that ipa punch to the palate like no I'm it not takes taste it takes away this. the hop bitterness but not the hop floralness that's mm-hmm. pretty nice yeah, actually. yeah. It's, really nice. it's great beer and a really good food beer it was just you know when when the guys came and tasted me on it, it was one of those it was just a really easy partnership uh, it's Works uh, surprisingly well with the bacon. I bet this is brilliant with a steak too. <laughs> well, absolutely. I was just a steak or wreck of lamb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. perfect. Wow. wow, absolutely. Well, Ian uh, was ordering his beer right as I was taking my first sip of this because I had ordered first, and I said, "No, I don't even remember what you were ordering." But I was like, "No, you don't want that. You want this." <laughs> <laughs> and so that's uh, that's that's what we wound well, up. Yeah, it, this it, is brilliant. This is it, delicious. It leaves the second beer option open because the other beer is a bigger, darker. Mm. Yeah, what I originally ordered was an Eighth Wonder Rocket Fuel, which I do enjoy. Which that's a, a great the beer, Vietnamese yes. coffee uh, mm-hmm. stout. And uh, and that's always great when you're sitting out on a hot day. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but so it, technically it's an iced coffee. But I've had that yeah. before, and uh, oh, yeah. uh, but I've had that before, and I hadn't had this. This is brilliant. So Ian, you've brought some uh, beers with you this week because I actually just got back to town, so I've had little 
little too uh, prepared. You took care of the beers this week. What did you bring I did. along? Can you guess? <laughs> <laughs> Let me guess. A lot of really light lagers and uh, and pale ales. That's right? right. I brought Bud Light Lime. Yes, I knew it. I knew it. That's after a joke. The, after the so light beer I taste brought, test. I brought a Weyerbacher Merry Monks. Now, Weyerbacher's a brewery in Pennsylvania, and they're Merry Monks. They also have a quad ale. I think we tried that on one of our really early shows. Yes, I believe we did. And it's brilliant. But their Merry Monks is absolutely amazing. It's We've an, talked about the Merry Monks it's before, a I know. style yes. triple, and it's 9.3%. Well, there you go. Yeah, it's it's a big beer. And uh, and uh, and it's one of my favorite in that style. I also when brought, Ian brings the beers, the ABV content of the show goes up <laughs> dramatically. That's I just the way I it raised goes. the ABV substantially. <laughs> this one I'll have to look up because I don't know what the ABV is on this. <laughs> this is the Ranger Creek Small Batch Number Eight. Oh, nice. Um, so we'll we'll dig into what that is. But this was uh, this was uh, bottled uh, two four fourteen. So this has been. This has been. That's uh, a little scary. It's like one yeah. of those. Like, if you have to ask about the ABV, it might be out of your uh, out of your range. <laughs> <laughs> and third, but not least, I, I brought the uh, old school from Dogfish Head. This is a barley wine style ale, of course. Of course. Uh, brewed with figs and dates, and it's a measly fifteen percent. Oh, that's that's all. Okay, good, <laughs> good. Well, I'd hate to think you were slipping. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, I can tell you that uh, I've had an interesting week because I've been. Uh, on vacation, actually, I left for vacation the day after we did the last show, and I just got back last night. Uh, and it was a. Uh, I like that you book your vacation between shows. around the shows. Hey, I have my priorities. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, I, I was like, okay, we're gonna smoke and drink, and then I'm gonna leave for vacation where I'm gonna do a lot of smoking and a lot of drinking, <laughs> and then I'll get back just in time to smoke, smoke and drink, and drink right. on the show at B and B. It'll be perfect. So, uh, but I did want to let you know that I brought home with me. Uh, a whole bunch of different um, beers, ales that were available in Florida that I had not seen before because we were vacationing in Destin. So, awesome. uh, so I was uh, I was looking around. With, I was going into every like Walmart, everything I could find, just looking for any sort of uh, beer that I hadn't uh, hadn't seen before. And I want to give a shout, by the way, to Harbor Cigars in Destin, Florida, where I uh, purchased the uh, very cigar you are uh, lighting right now, Ian, the uh, uh, Punch Grand Puro. I have never had one of these. Well, I, I have to say, if you're ever vacationing in the Florida Panhandle, I recommend going to see the guys at Harbor. It was this awesome moment where I walked in. First of all, they had, for a small coastal town, a much better selection of bigger humidor than I was expecting. Uh-huh. So I'm already really pleased walking in. And then this dude comes in. He's like this real hip-looking young guy with dreadlocks. And he's like, uh, you know, doing the typical thing like... Uh, Hey man, can I help you find anything? Anything you're looking for? I was like, oh, no, I just wanted to see what you got, you know. And I'm kind of, uh, you know, strolling around, and he goes, "What kind of cigars do you like?" And I said, "Well, lately I've really been enjoying Casada cigars." And yeah. it was like I had said to him, "By the way, your mom is awesome." His face <laughs> lit up, and there was another lady from the shop there. She was in stocking the shelves, and she goes. Oh, you've just said the magic words. So he leads me around the humidor uh-huh. and shows me some Cigada, uh, uh, some Casada Oktoberfest yeah. from 2016 right. that I so hadn't good, had. Yeah. Oh, so needless to say, I had a great, great uh, vacation getaway. And then I come back and we're drinking this uh, this beer that's 
Uh, what is it? Tell me the name of it again. It's the Uncommon Cowboy Uncommon by Town, Town and Cowboy. City Brewery. I'm loving this. So we got we to gotta check out more of their brews. In uh, I can probably well. arrange for one of their guys to be on the show, actually. That'd be awesome. So that would, to come that by. Would They've be got awesome. some other really fun stuff. Uh, they've got a beer called the Mosquito's Revenge. It's an IPA that's phenomenal. <laughs> um, they've got a City Porter that we had before, the Uncommon Cowboy. Uh, the Uncommon Cowboy, it has to age a little bit, so that it can be a little... Getting it sometimes can be a challenge, but see? Okay. now that they've got it rolling, it's pretty awesome. Once they release it to you, it's aged yeah, properly, yeah. but and now they don't good, always yeah. have it, you say, because, yeah. yeah, that's great. Well, you know, uh, Jeremiah, we haven't really had a chance to say this, but to you and everybody here at B&B, huge thank you for coming on to sponsor the show. This Big is time, like, yeah. Since, we are so since thrilled. Since the news, this is our first chance to get together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it, it's just one of those partnerships. I mean, the, the very first time I went on the show with you guys, I had so much fun. It was just like jonesing to do it again, and it just made too much sense that, uh, well, we have whiskey and beer and cigars here at B&B, and I mean, it just made sense. <laughs> that's why we like That's why we like coming here so much. Now, we, we were talking about how, A, it's great to, you know, have someone interested in sponsoring the show. But B, it's really great when it's something that you already love. So you don't yeah. you don't feel in the least like you're pimping yourself out when you Not, go, no, really, this place is awesome. Yeah, you know? Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, uh, we didn't need a refresher course on the place or anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They go, do you need to send you any information? No, no, got it. We got it. We got it, we got it all taken care of. But I do want to ask you, there's something you can clarify for me. Um, because we've mentioned it on the show, but I'm sure you have more details. You're about to open a new location, aren't you? Uh, yes. So currently under construction right now in the uh, shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth uh, will be the second location of B&B Butchers and Restaurant. So um, we're you... slated to open, I believe, uh, mid to late October. Okay. Um, in the restaurant world, that probably translates to mid-November. Yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, there seems Book to always Christmas be parties now. Yeah, there, 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 there seems to always be something that comes up where you you know you have trouble getting your CFO or some kind of inspection, but. We're pretty confident that we'll be open by late October. So are you going to be uh, spending any time there, or will you be primarily still in the Houston uh, location? Houston or? will be my, my personal home store. Um, I do get the luxury of setting up that bar and nice. getting that bar program going. Um, so basically, like, you know, it, if it's got to do with, like, like, if it has to do with whiskey or beer and, it, and it's under B&B's umbrella, that just kind of falls under my my umbrella at that point right um so yeah it's it's been a really really cool experience kind of growing with them and uh i'm excited to see you know what the new place has in, in store for us so is that the most fun part of what you do like starting a new one from scratch like that in terms of uh, setting up the bar outside of actually just drinking and yeah. getting paid to do it um <laughs> yes uh, no that's that's definitely the most exciting um is is you know attacking a new demographic and a new set of of people and what they like or don't like um, where you know here in Houston my back bar is a lot more single malt and scotch heavy whereas in Fort Worth demographically speaking it will probably lean more towards the American styles of whiskey as the bigger portion that's really interesting using research and demographic data to plan drinking I like it I like it. This is a use of research I can support. Yes. A lot of times when people go, well, we consulted the research, I'm like, oh, yeah, here we go. But in this case, I think, I think it's, a, it's a good application. I really like it. Well, we have a great show lined out for you today. We're going to be talking about a great article that I stumbled across about the 25 most important 
craft beers ever. Not necessarily the 25 best, but the 25 most important. So uh-huh. that should be interesting. We'll be able to talk about that. Ian told you about the beers. We're going to be tasting some kind of whiskey that uh, Jeremiah's got here for us. We'll let delicious him kind. Tell us about that. And Ian, I think we started a trend. There's now been another light beer blind taste test last week in Chicago. Oh, so we'll yeah? tell you about the results of that coming up. It's Smoking and Toasting. Welcome back. It is Smoking and Toasting. This is the program that's all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. We are live from our uh, home away from home, our sponsor location, B&B Butchers and Restaurant at 1814 Washington Ave uh, in Houston. And by the way, Jeremiah, when you open, uh, and you know, we'll give you a little while to get things uh, you know set up, but we definitely want a road trip and do a show from the Fort Worth uh, location. So one hundred percent. So we're looking we're looking forward to that very very much. Well, we don't like to wax political here on the show uh, because we figure you know people who enjoy great spirits and great cigars come from all over the political spectrum. But I think I can say this without angering anybody. I have friends who are on the uh, on the far right. That when Barack Obama was elected president, they were all like, I'm moving to Canada. And then I heard the same thing from my friends on the left when Trump was elected, right? That's it. I'm moving to Canada. Of course, none of them ever did. It was just one of those things that people say, right? Well, now you're all going to probably wish that you had. haagen has released, in Canada only, five alcohol-filled flavors of haagen ice cream. Rum, vanilla, caramel, blondie. Whiskey chocolate truffle. Oh, my. Irish cream <laughs> coffee and biscotti. Oh, yeah. Vodka key lime pie. Nice. And rum ginger cookie. <laughs> oh, my. And why don't we have this here? I, I don't know. I, I think... Uh, I mean, uh, liquor stores have a freezer aisle, don't they? Uh, they do. And and <laughs> besides, you could sell them in uh, in the grocery store, I'm sure, if you can sell... Uh, as long as the alcohol content in them, in them isn't too high, you could sell them in the grocery store. Uh, I, I feel like uh, that's haagen way of, of like quietly passing judgment on me already and just telling me, Jer- Jeremiah, you're already fat and drunk enough. <laughs> <laughs> like We don't need to add two things. Well, to that's amazing. A, here's the thing. You're going to Canada soon, right? That's true. That's so true. if we were to We're, send you with one of those little uh, freezer packs. I'll see what I can do. <laughs> I'll, say, I'll loan you my backpack cooler and some dry ice. I'll, yeah. I'll see what I can make happen. <laughs> see him getting on the plane. No, Ian said it would be okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I hate to interrupt this, but I want to do something real quick here. Yes, please do. Oh, see, that was totally worth doing. There we go. That was totally worth doing. <laughs> that made such so a great time. So Ian's opening our, uh, our, I would say our first beer, but we kind of talked about the beer in the last segment, so this will be our next beer. And it was interesting because Ian was looking up the ABV of the uh, the other three beers that he brought, and we generally like to keep the one that's the heaviest for the last segment. So we're now starting with the lightest one, which is the Merry Monks <laughs> at nine point three. Oh my God! Uh, it's, good, it's good to have goals. Yeah, yeah. And fortunately, and I can say this because I know uh, Uber knows exactly where this place is. Yeah. So uh, it's real easy. To catch a ride here, so that's a good thing to know. So indeed. So I've had this before. Uh, yeah, I have some family up in Pennsylvania, and I've gone to visit them and and got to taste this one. And uh, this is one of my favorite beers of all time. Oh, of ever, huh? Ever, yes. Wow, well, absolutely. I can tell you just from the first. This is a Belgian like, style triple. Yeah, from the first inhale, it's very much in that sort of Belgian. You know, makes me think of the Chimay's and the other mm-hmm. great, you know, Belgian, like, serious beers that I've had before. Yeah, this, to me, is just about 
the pinnacle of the style. This is like wow. that is good. Yeah, and everything about it—the fruitiness, the sweetness—everything is so balanced in it. I absolutely love it. And not only that, but it's nine point three percent. Don't drink a whole <laughs> bunch of. Them. Now, I don't drink a lot of the uh, Belgian uh, style like this. I enjoy one occasionally, like a Chimay or something mm-hmm. like this. But this I immediately like better than almost anything else that I've had. There's something about the fruit flavors. The fruit flavors, the darker fruit flavors, and a little banana, like what you get a lot in the, in the Belgian style triples. It just it's so balanced. It's so well done. It's a little cloudy. It's kind of a light or a dark straw color, I guess. It's just a, such a good drinking beer. Um, when I was first introduced to this, uh, me and my brother-in-law, because I happened to be in Pennsylvania at the time, me and my brother-in-law were sitting in this basement where it's nice and cool, and we were on our third beer. And my sister comes down and she goes, wow, you guys are uh, kind of getting a little tipsy there, aren't you? <laughs> and I just looked at her I was like, we're only on our third beer. <laughs> and she looks down she goes, huh, and walks off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those, the triples will get you. I remember I was, I was in Austin at the Crown and Anchor the first time I discovered them. And I started drinking uh, La Fin du Monde. Oh, that's a good uh-huh. one, yeah. At yeah. the end of the night, which was an <laughs> Always a good idea. epic mistake. <laughs> I, I, I was like, I don't know what happened to me. I, I just, I ordered a, a second beer to, to, I thought, oh, I'd switch to beer and it'd be fine. And well, no. it could be that we do it wrong on the show. Maybe we should open with the heavier beers and trend and, towards lighter. And but I'm always afraid that like the, the heavier ones will be palate wreckers for the lighter right, ones. Right, right. Well, it's a, it's so a we flavor profile thing more yeah. than it is anything, but you can almost guarantee that the higher ABV, the bigger the flavor the uh, beer is going to be because because it takes a bigger flavor to make it not taste like you're just drinking right. a lot of alcohol. That's right, you know? yeah. yeah. No, you're absolutely right. So. So. <laughs> As I almost just went straight to the whiskey. So. Yeah. So, uh, so what's your thoughts on this, Jeremiah? You like this beer? I, I, uh, the word that I really keep coming back to, um, it, it, Ian keeps using balance. Um, I, I like Belgium is my actually like my favorite region of beers worldwide. Like I fell in love with Quack and all the triple styles, and um, this one it, it's got like a delicate quality to it, where y- you're not overwhelmed. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I could easily see like where this would get dangerous because it's so damn sessionable. It's way easy to drink, yeah. But holy cow, like you session six of these, you know, <laughs> I could see where... A yes. Uber. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This would be a good time for us to say that Smoking and Toastin, as well as uh, B&B Butchers and Restaurant uh, uh, on Washington Ave in Houston, all seriously sponsor and promote responsible drinking. Oh, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> no, your car will not be towed if you Uber home and you leave it here. Yeah. Like we're, we're absolutely weird encourage safety as well as fun so. yes absolutely absolutely well this is this is a great beer i like this very much and and uh you know usually if i have a belgian style triple i it's going to be just one and then i'll move on to something else but i, yeah, I could totally go for another one of those that's that's good oh, no, I, I could definitely <laughs> drink three or four of these <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's really good and that, like i said it's one of my favorite beers ever and you know a, a lot of times we like beers that you can't get here just because you know they're a little bit of that unicorn you know mm-hmm. you can't always get it and they're a little out of reach I, hey, I Coors truly made believe. a living on that for years. That's right. Remember? <laughs> yeah. Remember when everybody wanted Coors and it was simply because you could only you get, get it in it, Colorado? Right, right. And everybody, oh, you're going to Colorado. you got to bring me back some Coors. <laughs> and then it showed up like uh, in, in the grocery stores everywhere and the Wait, same so, people. So I, I don't actually have to be attending a banquet to have a Coors? That's right, because Coors Banquet, <laughs> Coors banquet, is, banquet. That was the original. Yeah, the, uh, the, the original yellow belly, Coors. man. It's first beer, the, first beer uh, I ever tasted. Before the mountains turned blue. So I have had enough cases of this brought to me to know that 
even even though it's less attainable, mm-hmm. it really is one of my favorite beers because of the beer itself, not because of the myth, you know? Oh, it's, like, you've had enough that that part is kind yeah, of like that. And it, yeah, and I keep yeah. coming back to it. It's brilliant. Yeah, it's a great beer. I'll tell you something really interesting. Uh, and by the way, we'll be moving up in ABV in the next segment. <laughs> yes. So uh, so that should be interesting. But, uh, tell you something interesting. The best whiskey in the world has been named in the 2017 San Francisco World Spirits competition. That is a very heavy-duty competition, by the way. And it is not from Scotland. Wow. It's not from Ireland. It's from Vermont. The number one whiskey in the um, San Francisco World Spirits 2017 is called Boss Hog the Black Prince. And it's from the Vermont-based Whistle Pig Distillery. Wow. So the fantastic, full name, fantastic distillery. The full name of this is the Whistle Pig Boss Hog the Black Prince. That's the full name of uh, the whiskey. And it was named the best whiskey in the world in this year's San Francisco uh, World Spirits. Have you had any Whistle Pig? I have not. Have you Whistle guys? Whistle Pig amazing. is amazing. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it's fairly really new distillery. Um, they actually just released uh, <clears throat> their first uh, product that actually has their own um, grain to glass whiskey. Mm-hmm. So Whistle Pig, when you start a distillery, one of the hardest parts is being able to have whiskey that's old enough, right? To of drink. course. So up until recently, Whistle Pig had been sourcing out rye whiskeys. And aging them, and which sounds, uh, but it doesn't matter because their age master and, and distiller that is a guy named Dave Pickrell, who is absolutely like I bow down in deference to him. I've been to several of his seminars. He's amazing. But Whistle Pig is absolutely one of the highest quality small distilleries in the United States. So it doesn't surprise me. Well, I love their uh, their founder, uh, Raj Peter Bakta, because he's like totally like talking smack. To Scotland. <laughs> he said, this is just a great quote. I just love this. The guy's in Vermont, and he says, Scotland doesn't see us coming. I see the sun setting on their single malt empire and a very rapid rise for Americans, particularly in rye, with Whistlepig leading the charge. He is nice. not you got to love that. you got to love that. So you would agree with that. I would agree with that. You, so um, you think there's some American uh, distilleries that are really beginning to enter that echelon of I do, quality. and I think the American whiskey palette is really kind of turning a corner. Uh, you have a lot of American guys that are taking techniques and like time-honored tradition and kind of turning them on their side, not necessarily like breaking them or reinventing the wheel. Not in an irreverent way, but... But, yeah, like Westland uh, makes a single malt... Uh, American sherry cask whiskey that is phenomenal out of uh, Skagway, Washington. Um, Whistlepig is absolutely leading the forefront in the American rye movement. Uh, out of Philadelphia, lock, stock, and barrel, 13-year rye. I mean, the American palate, I think, is just really catching up to the idea that it doesn't have to be scotch. Well, it's- it takes it takes people, you know, in, in America to be the craftsman and go, you know what, we can do this. And we're not just making the same old, let's mix this with Coca-Cola whiskey. Or bourbon. No, that's that's actually very true. We're getting we're getting to some real. You know, when we say craft distilleries, yes, it really does mean that it's crafted in a very specific way, in a way that you really only think of Scotland and maybe Ireland. I in have the past to say this: this places. is a very exciting time for drinking. It really is, <laughs> and you know what? Last year was a very exciting time for drinking. So anything that improves on last year, yeah, and I'm thinking next year is going to be even better. So. 
show Can't 50 wait coming to up. See, yeah, right? You're listening to Smoking and Toasting. When we return, the 25 most important American craft beers ever, and Ian takes the ABV up a couple notches. <laughs> Welcome back to Smoking and Toasting. We are brought to you by the fine folks at B&B Butchers and Restaurant on uh, Washington Ave in Houston and soon to be opening in Fort Worth, Texas. Tell me the location again that Fort Worth will uh, be. It's going to be the Shops at Clear Fork. Shops at Clear Fork. Okay. Yeah, it's and a new are, development. Are you allowed to talk about the other Houston uh, restaurant? It's not going to be a B&B, I know. Um, but, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I, we, we, it's no secret. We released it to the public. Um, it's actually really cool, but it's going to take some time. Uh, we signed a lease on the bottom floor of the Texaco building. Um, so it's at 1111 Rusk. Uh, it will be a different concept. It will not be a B&B. And then um, that one's going to take some time because it's actually a national historic landmark. So the oh. building that we sit in currently, the Dittman building at 1814, is a Houston landmark. Right. Um, we actually won a, a Clover Award and a, a gold brick for our repurposing of the building. And so it's going to take time because our plans for the building downtown actually have to go to D.C. to be oh. approved there um, because it is a national historic landmark. Okay, that so, makes sense. A yes. little bit of bureaucratic process, but the end result will be amazing. Cool. Well, we look forward to it. By the way, we should mention about B&B. We, one of the reasons we love coming here so much is because of this open outdoor uh, area on the top floor. And even on a day like today where it is really Houston, Texas hot, we got a nice breeze from the ceiling fans. It's uh, it's helping keep us moving here, so it's nice. Yeah, I, you know, I'm still constantly amazed by this louvered ceiling. <laughs> like, that is so brilliant yeah. to me. You no, just it's, it's open pretty it up amazing. enough to get air but not the light, and it's amazing. Yeah, it, what's really cool is to watch when the sun's moving, and we can adjust them section by section and actually control where the shade moves. Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. <laughs> so Josh Noel from the Chicago Tribune uh, borrowed an idea from Food & Wine magazine. Uh, where uh, they may rank certain foods, certain restaurants, certain genres, and what have you. Uh, and he, in his magazine, asked 21 luminaries from the beer industry to rank the most important craft beers of all time. Not necessarily which ones are the best, but which ones have had the biggest impact. Landmark beers. Yeah, yeah. which ones have had the biggest impact on the craft beer scene. He says, as you might expect, the list was fairly well-constructed. But after sharing it on social media and following with his own thoughts, most of which blew past the 140 characters, uh, there was only one thing to do, and that was to make a list of his own. So that's a list I'm going to share with you. He does the top 25 <coughs> excuse me, most important craft beers of all time, and it's actually, I have to say, really only 24, because his 25th was actually a joke. For 25, he did Not Your Father's Root Beer from Small Town Brewery. <laughs> and he actually says, just kidding. So I'm going to start with number 24. Which, by the and way, gonna, is a very dangerous product. It's a, actually a very, very good product. <laughs> so, But I can see why he put it on there and said, just kidding. Because it was nice for it to almost get like an honorable mention, right? Right. Yeah. Okay, so, uh, so let me just count these up for you. From 24, number 24 is Every Beer Ever from Firestone, Walker Brewing, and New Glarus Brewing. Uh, and that's... Okay, I can I, I can agree with yeah, that. Yeah, I can go along with that being on the list. Number 23, I think you'll like this, Ian. Matilda from Goose Island. Yes, oh, that's a yeah, good one. Yeah. Uh, uh, Goose Island Farmhouse was one of the first so breweries good. to mainstream uh, that, uh, this particular yeast with Matilda, a tribute to the legendary Belgian beer Orval. Number 22 was Cuvée de Tomé. I think I'm saying that right. From Port Brewing and Lost Abbey. I'm not familiar with that Cuvée's one. Cuvée's good. Cuvée yeah, de Tomé. Okay. 
Uh, number 21, I have had. It's the Hennepin uh, from the Almagang Brewery. And the Tank 7 from Boulevard Brewing. He has those in a tie at 21. And I will say, uh, I've had both of those, and they're both quite good. The Hennepin's great. Yeah. Uh, at number 20, uh, the Alchemist, Hetty, Hetty Topper, the Alchemist. So... Uh, we've had we've both had that one, haven't yes. we, Ian? Yeah, yes. yeah, very good. Uh, number nineteen, Brooklyn Lager. It's a tie, Brooklyn Lager, Yangling Traditional Lager, and Victory Prima Pills. Now I am familiar with all of these from living in the Northeast, and he is right to have them on this list because they're all really important advances. Brooklyn Lager. Probably one of the most important beers to come out of New York State. I don't Absolutely. think I've actually had that one. Yeah, it's, it's, well, I love all the Brooklyn beers. The Absolutely. lager, to me, is like their, like, that's their linchpin, I guess. That's right. their that's their big one. Yeah, their uh, Yangling, if you've ever lived anywhere near Philadelphia yes. or Pittsburgh yes. Chicago. or Chicago or Ohio, uh, Yangling is just, in fact, I was... I was at the family reunion Yingling last week. Yingling is very drinkable. There was a ton of Yingling yes. consumed because and it was For those listening, they, they are working on getting Yingling and, in Texas. And by the way, They're on, on tap, it. it actually is even a little better. Wow. Yeah. So it, But that's one of those beers. It's from the oldest brewery in America, yep. and it's proof that we got it right before we got it wrong. That's, that's the way right. I like to. That's the way I like to look at it. Uh, and finally, Victory Prima Pills. I used to live a very short car ride from the Victory uh, Brewery, and uh, they make gr- they make an entire line of great beers. Yeah. So I'm not surprised that one of theirs made it. And the Prima Pills is is good. Uh, at 18, the Arrogant Bastard Ale from Arrogant Brewing. I think you know we, I love we that. all love that. agree yeah. on that. And at number uh, at number 17, a personal favorite. Dale's Pale Ale from Oscar yeah, Blues. I yeah. love Dale's Pale. But again, this list is not necessarily about what's the best. It's about what's been the most important. Right. Like the ones that really set a direction. They or push for limits a little bit. Yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, the Black Butte Porter from Deschutes comes Quite in good. at uh, number 16. Good uh, food beer. Yep. And uh, then at number 15, it's the Allagash White from Allagash mm-hmm. Brewing, which is actually my favorite white style uh, beer, I think, that, I, that I've ever had. Good. Uh, at number 14, uh, Cellus or Cellus White, uh, New Albion Ale, Burt Grant's IPA, and Pete's Wicked Ale, all in a tie. He actually cheats a lot by putting a lot of ties. Right, he's got a lot S- more. Suddenly we're at 24 five. beers already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. At 13, Anchor Liberty, Anchor Porter, Anchor Christmas Ale, and Anchor Old Foghorn. So he's basically uh, absolutely, recognizing absolutely. Anchor. But can I just say... We had the uh, when we did the Christmas ale show back in December. Uh-huh. That anchor Christmas ale is the best. It's Christmas. always good. It's so good. It's always good. I, I buy the anchor Christmas every time it comes out. <clears throat> at twelve, um, I've never had the Widmer Hefeweizen, but he has it at a tie with one that I love, and it's the Red Hook ESB. Now Red oh. Hook started out, I think, in Oregon, but they also opened in New Hampshire. And when I lived in the Boston area, uh, that Red Hook ESB was everywhere. That is just well, and that's that, 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 the ESBs, those extra special bitters. That's just such a rare style of beer. I love those. And uh, and I just want to point out, we have a Houston brewery that's making a brilliant one right now called Wicked Awesome from Eureka Heights. Oh, that nice. is a that is the beer. best ESB coming it's out of so Houston. Good, I yes. agree. I totally agree. At number eleven, Three Floyd's Brewing's Dark Lord. Um, anything by Three Floyd's is delicious. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a. Uh, I don't think I've had the Dark Lord, so we. Have I to, haven't had that either. But everything I've had from them is we got to track really that good. down. At number ten, and this beer wins has one. It was just unseated as number one uh, by the craft beer, uh, the big craft beer poll this year. But they've been number one for like five years. It's Pliny the Elder from yep. Russian River. So, and you've had Pliny, right? Yes, I have. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, a- as IPAs go, you know, I'm an IPA guy. It's would I? Would you, I love you, it? Yeah, you'll love okay. it. Okay. 
Uh, La Folle from New Belgium at number nine. Long before Oak Age sour beers were popular in American brewing, there was yeah. La Folle. This showed a generation of brewers the possibilities. That's why it winds up uh, uh, there on number nine. New Belgium is also at number eight with Fat Tire. Yes. And they show it as a tie with Bell's Amber. So I think they're representing the amber uh, mm-hmm. category here. So And Fat Tire, when it's really fresh, there's there's nothing like it. It's just so good. Well, then when it came out, I mean, it, it took the craft world by Absolutely. storm. It really did. It really did. I mean, did. you'd walk into a bar and see that bike hanging from the roof and be like, cool, I'll have one. I'll give them a, I'll give them a shout out for their 1554 ale, too. Absolutely. It's fantastic. At number seven, one that is a go-to for me at restaurants when I look at the beer menu and go, hmm, I don't know. Oh, they have that. Good. Lagunitas IPA. Yeah. It's just a great all-around, hits, ticks all the boxes, uh, IPA. Love that. Blue Moon Belgian White at number six uh, from Blue Moon Brewing. And I think they're right to recognize it. I know it's a subsidiary of you know, Miller Coors and all of that, but that's been a very important, I would almost call it like a, a gateway drug. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a crossover beer. Well, I was immediately <laughs> thinking, like, like, my first first thought would be, like, it's kind of like the Fisher-Price, like, my first craft beer. Right, right. You know, like, like you're trying to make that switch, and typically I've found that, like, the gateway would be, like, like, like that Hef style. You know, a little orangey, mm-hmm. nice and sweet, little citrusy, and just a great, easy way to get into craft beer. I like the way he says it in the article. He says, the Brewers Association defines a craft brewer, and Miller Coors certainly is not one. However, the Brewers Association does not define craft beer, and it is widely agreed that Blue Moon is a craft beer. So I'll agree with that. At number 50, uh, number 50, number five, <laughs> sorry, I got ahead of myself, <laughs> the 90-minute Dogfish Head IPA. Brilliant Woo-hoo! IPA. Uh, I, in just, my opinion, one of the best IPAs overall. And yeah. really and really important, uh, I think, mm-hmm. in the development of IPAs, uh, especially American IPAs. Well, Dogfish Head, I mean, their techniques in general definitely were, were trend-setting. We'll so. be having a Dogfish Head beer uh, in our last segment. Today. Outstanding. Nice, nice. Uh, number three, the Bourbon County Stout from Goose Island. Yes. Uh, when first released in 1995. Uh, and he says, yes, it was 1995, not 1992, as the label says. An imperial stout aged in bourbon barrels might as well have been a lager brewed on Mars. It just didn't exist. Goose Island gave the world a gift by coaxing these phenomenal flavors that result from an, an imperial stout meeting a whiskey barrel. So that's number three. At number two, and I have to say I agree with this choice, Sam Adams Boston Lager. Absolutely. One yeah. of the most important craft beers ever Brood. And I know these guys are struggling a little bit right now, the Sam Adams guys. Well, but they're in a weird position a because they're, they're not considered a craft brew, even though they were one of the, uh, one of the original craft brews that made it big. Yep. At yeah. number one, he has the Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. I would agree with that. Yeah. Still a I go-to for me. He says, as simple as the concept is now, Sierra Nevada's flagship beer was revolutionary in 1980. A hop-forward pale ale that showcases spicy citrus characters of American-grown hops. Nothing like it ever existed on a commercial scale, and now, of course, those beers are, are everywhere. No other reasonable choice, he says, for the number one spot. So I think it's a pretty good list, That's even though he solid. cheated yeah. by putting like 40 beers on it. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, but, it but it is a pretty good But how do you pair it down? There's so many good yeah. beers. Yes. Yeah. So speaking of good beers, uh, we're out of time for this segment, so we're going to take a break, and we'll do two beers in the next segment. And uh, or maybe let's do we'll a do, beer and a whiskey. In let's the next do a segment. beer and a whiskey. That's a perfect idea. I like You're that. listening to uh, Smoking and Toasting, show number 49, and number 50 is a week away. Welcome back to Smoking and Toasting. It's show number 49. 
My name is Cruz. My co-host is Ian Barry. And, of course, we've got Jeremiah Butler here with us to, uh, to celebrate our sponsorship from B&B, Butler, uh, B&B Butchers and Restaurant. And we got uh, we got more to celebrate, too, because we got some really good beers. And before we leave, Ian, bacon. Well, we're having bacon. Bacon. <laughs> we're going to have the bacon. Uh, we mentioned Sam Adams uh, and their uh, uh, Sam Adams Boston Lager coming in at number mm-hmm. two on that most important crap beer list, um, which I totally agree with. Sam Adams, uh, it's been fairly well documented that they're one of the breweries that's been struggling a little for the past couple of years. The explosion of the... Uh, Smaller guys having so many more options on, you know, shelves and on taps, uh, combined with the big guys buying a lot of the smaller yeah. guys and really ratcheting up the distribution on those, has put a lot of the let's just say the larger independents in uh, in a tough place. Uh, just read an article about how New Belgium was struggling with some of the same things since they'd opted not to sell. And uh, same thing with Sam Adams. Well, Sam Adams, I think, uh, they've always been a very innovative company. They're doing something I think is so awesome. They are collaborating with other really small, mostly uh, places you haven't heard of, craft breweries to put together beer that they will then sell under the Sam Adams umbrella to help introduce people to some Good of these other them. breweries. I just think it is the coolest move that is pretty in, awesome. in what is a, you know, a fairly competitive area. They are releasing a brand new collaborative limited edition 12-pack that is the uh, result of their partnership with five smaller breweries. The uh, 12-pack will be called Brewing the American Dream, and they include beers from Rock Brewing in Rochester, New York, Bosque Brewing in Albuquerque, New Mexico, Chuck Alec Independent Brewers in Ramona, California, Woods Beer in San Francisco, and Brewery Ricoli, I believe is the way you pronounce it, in Wheat Ridge, Colorado. None of which I'd ever heard of I've before heard of Sam either. Adams uh, started this. So I just think it's a really awesome, and, uh, and of course there'll be Sam Adams Boston Lager in the pack as well, the 12-pack when you buy it. And I just think... That is such a remarkably well, good idea. I, just, I love it. I just want to point out that the the bigger uh, independents, as you call it, that's a great way to put it, too, uh, I think get a little bit of a... I mean, everyone knows and respects them, but I think what happens is they just get passed over because, oh, we've had that before. Right. But right. It's not a new discovery. You're not going to be right. able to tell your friends, oh, but I, do love, I had this like, great beer, Sam Adams Boston Lager. Right. New know? Belgium puts out a variety pack. You know, every season with different stuff. And I almost always pick up at least one of those when I see something new and different. You that know? Ranger IPA? Ranger oh, IPA is great. Baby. Yeah. The, uh, their 1554, as I said before, is a brilliant beer. I think that's that's a standby. Um, they've got so many good ones. They're, uh, they're, um, what's the one where everything's upside down on it? And their blue oh, paddle. Yeah, and that, like, paddle. They give and, it a bunch of, bunch of great And I, I actually beers. had, while I was on vacation, had a couple of fat tires with cigars yeah and was like so impressed with how well the notes of the beer yep. matched up with the cigar and not every beer does that see and i love the fat tire because it's so malty and and yeah. it has almost a bready kind of flavor to it. it's just delicious you even almost get chocolate in yeah there. a little it's bit like, that's really good <laughs> speaking of matching up uh, the beers that you have offered us so far are matching really well with the cigar that i lit at the beginning of the show that I really should talk about because it's the first time that I've ever smoked it, and it's my father, the judge. <laughs> and I had read I've had great things about this cigar, but never had one until now. And I have to say, I know we haven't had the whiskey yet, but 
boy, this is going really well with some of the beers. That, that My Father line, uh, oh, that's great. everything they make in the My Father line, as far as I can tell, has been great. I have never is, had a complaint. Yeah, we actually stocked the uh, My Father cigar, the, uh, the Centurion. Oh, that's yeah. In, in our humidor here. So. Yeah. I would say this is on a par with the Centurion because it's, uh, it's got a, a, a little bit of a toastiness to it. Yeah. Uh, and then all these complexities just start creeping in on you. It's really good. So this uh, punch that you gave me earlier, this uh, Grand Burrow. Uh, punch is also quite delicious. This is a medium body, like right dead center, I think, in the medium body Nicaraguan. Uh, the wrapper's beautiful on it. It's, all, it's like a milk chocolate kind of mm-hmm. color. Leathery. I love that leathery kind of chewy, real solid feeling wrapper on this. And it smokes beautifully. It's a delicious cigar. So far. Good. I'm glad you like it. You know, I'm, I'm a little behind because I think you've like gifted me more cigars than I've gifted you. <laughs> so I feel like I'm a little behind. And so now it's kind of pressure on. I was like, oh, I can't give him that one. That's not... I, I need I need to, like, <laughs> find something to impress him. So uh, so I didn't know about that one, though. So that's a... Uh, that, well, I'm when, when you offer me the choice, I had... I'm not, you know, I don't know... I don't know Punch as well. It's not because I don't like anything Punch or anything like that. I just I see they. I think they fall under the same category like the like the independent beer things. Mm-hmm. There's so many other cigars out there that I try, and Punch yeah. is always there. They're like a Sam Adams, yeah. right? 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 Uh-huh. So, like a Monte Cristo. It's, you're not. You know, it's nothing. You're not going to. You're, you're looking for right. a surprise. You're not right? Go right? That right? So, and they're always good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think they fall under the same thing. I brought uh, this Ranger Creek Small Batch Series Number Eight. You will be very surprised to know this. Yes. It's a barley wine. Oh, wow. <laughs> this may be the, Is this the first time? Bobby, can you check the notes? Is this the first barley wine we've had on the show that Ian has brought? <laughs> Not that long. Yeah, I didn't think so. Uh, Ian's a barley wine kind of a guy. Oh. And uh, and he's... Oh, down, is this opening? There's a bunch of wax around there. Oh, yeah. See that? Because, yeah, the whole top of this was sealed in wax, so it's a little more complicated okay. to open. Um, so this one, uh, we're stepping it up from 9.3 to 10% now mm-hmm. on our... On our scale here, our I'm going to let you talk for a minute while I pour. All right. Well, since we're talking about scales, I'll mention this: My Father the Judge. It is a. Uh, it's not a cheap cigar. I want to say it's about a twelve dollar retail for the one that I'm uh, smoking. So it's not outrageous, but it's not cheap. And I would say on our uh, our typical sort of uh, uh, price to quality, I'm going to have to give this about a six and a half. This is really lighting me up, and I'm enjoying it. So uh, while you're pouring this beer, I'll also mention that it is. Uh, it's not exactly like the motor oil uh, beer that we had last week, but it is very murky. It's very murky. There's, there's definitely an air of mystery to this if, beer. If the Loch Ness Monster stuck its head up out of this, I wouldn't be surprised. You know? <laughs> this seems to be a theory in the beer that I like. Yeah, yeah you can't see through this. No, you can't. <laughs> not at all, like, in fact. Clarity, zero. Yeah. Visibility <laughs> factor, zero. Mm. <laughs> but I will say, on the nose, really nice. And I've never had Oh, my gosh. It smells like a... Uh, like fig and, and yes. grape um, almost. And banana. And, you know, I know we say banana a lot when we smell these beers, but uh, but I'm definitely getting the banana notes, too. And it's very complex. It does have a very uh, big mouthfeel to yeah, it. I was just about to comment on the mouthfeel. Like the, the palate feel on this is incredible, though. Yeah. It's yeah, full. This is, it's round. It's supple. This is made for steak. Yeah. You know? What I like about it, a lot of the beers that have the intensity of mouthfeel that this one does don't have the bubbly carbonation to them, but yeah. this has both. This has, yeah, this has yeah. a nice balance of the carbonation mm-hmm. on it. This really is good. Does. It helps it feel light. Makes this it was feel a little more refreshing while still holding on to that flavor profile. Mm-hmm. This is, says on the side, it says bottle condition date 2414, and I've had this in my refrigerator for probably a year. Okay. Um, and just sitting there waiting for a good opportunity to try it. Well, it has not hurt it at all. This is uh, it's, uh, it's quite good. Creek from San Antonio, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. very interesting. 
re-fermented in the bottle, it says, pour carefully. <laughs> right. well, you, well, you did well because I got a nice murky sample here. This is a good one. It's how it's, it's how it's supposed to be. So, so and also because uh, like barley wines just go well with cigars, especially big cigars. Like if you're smoking a, if you're smoking something really light, maybe not. But yeah, well, I'm I'm definitely not smoking a light one today. So. <laughs> Jeremiah, you have brought us a, uh, a whiskey, but I don't know anything about what you brought. So uh, the show is is yours. Tell us what we got. Uh, so the whiskey I brought, um, smoky, is uh, it is an American whiskey. So it kind of ties in with what we were talking what about. It's uh, a very small distillery um, in New York State. Um, it's they say upstate. It's in the Hudson Valley um, near Hyde Park. Um, but it's it's Hudson, Hudson Distillery. Um, mm-hmm. It's part of the William Grant family. Um, so all the glorious people that bring us uh, Glenfiddich and Balvenie and Hendrix Gin. Um, it's part of that same family of spirits. Uh, I really focused on this one today, um, partly because it kind of ties in. So I'm actually going uh, uh, the first week of September. I'm going September 7th to New York to the distillery to taste through and select a barrel. And they're going to bottle it, and so B&B will actually be exclusively uh, serving the Hudson that we serve will be our hand-selected barrel that I, I will actually have chosen oh, out wow. of their rickhouse. So this this particular barrel, nobody else will have? Uh, no one will have. Only, only B&B restaurants. And wow. your safeguard is all the, Hud- all the Hudson whiskeys. Hudson whiskeys are good. Yes. And, uh, I mean, and, and, and again, it's one of those where when Hudson first came out, I was really intrigued by them. Um, but I kind of stayed away from them for a little while. Um, from a product standpoint as a seller simply because the distillery was so new. Um, you know, like we talked about in the segment with Whistlepig earlier, when you, when you have a whiskey distillery, the hardest part is getting getting sure. your juice to age. Yeah. Um, so these guys are really starting to like hit their stride. Um, what we're going to taste is actually a four-grain bourbon. So uh, corn, rye, wheat, barley. Um, you're going to be looking for notes, praline, a um, little vanilla from the wood, obviously. Um, the thing that I really liked about this when I tried the four grain for the first time is that I really feel like you get a sense of all the grain. Um, you smell it on the nose, and you get this kind of yes, cool you barley. Kind of smell all four of them. Mm. Yes. And then as you taste it, you get the you get the aggressive spice from the rye. You get the sweetness from the corn. Um, the wheat just kind of ties everything together, and then the barley just sort of rounds out the edges. Um, but just just a great product from a you know a, a great company, and I, I'm really trying to focus on a lot more small uh, distillery and single barrel expressions. At B and B, so uh, on, it just kind of ties in. On first sip of this, mm-hmm. um, this is quite possibly one of the most round whiskeys I think I've ever. I totally. I don't know how else to describe yeah. it, but yeah. I put that in my mouth and it's just round and it's it's. Uh, I guess today's show is about balance because that is incredible. The corn presence is very very there. You definitely um, get the corn. Well, but the rye I think adds a little bit of a, almost a cinnamon kind of flavor indeed. to that's it. It's your really spices, really uh, nice. In the whiskey nerd world that that chemical molecule that's the eugenol. So the two main particles that you're looking at from a chemical standpoint are vanillin and eugenol. Vanillin mm-hmm. is what you think honey, vanilla, yeah, caramel. Yeah. Eugenol is all your baking spices, allspice, clove, cinnamon. And when they come together, that's when you get those really cool depths. And which which Hudson's you say this was? This again? is the four grain bourbon. The four grain. This is and that's so why good. the corn is so prevalent is because it is a bourbon, so it is right, right, fifty percent, fifty one percent corn. And right. I am definitely getting the praline that you mentioned, mm-hmm. almost, almost like a praline pecan. You Absolutely. can almost taste the pecan. Uh, 
sort of flavor in there as There's well. There's a nice woody kind of finish to the whole thing, oh, too, yeah. that's really delicious. And as you said, Ian, perfectly described, very round. Yes, round. Very round. All right, uh, I'm, I've got a couple more questions to ask you about how you find and select uh, whiskeys like this for B&B. Certainly. When we come back, and then we're going to taste, I believe it may be a barley wine <laughs> that Ian brought. Uh, Surprise. So we'll uh, have more coming up, Smoking and Toasting. We are live at B&B Butchers and Restaurant on Washington Ave. It's 1814 or 1418 Ave. 1814 Washington Ave. All I know is I tell my phone, B&B Butchers, and it knows exactly where it is. <laughs> so uh, uh, so we are uh, live here, and they are, of course, the sponsor of the show, and we're thrilled about that, as we've said many times, because not only is it an amazing place to eat, it's also an incredible place to drink and smoke. Yes, and that's uh, and and you know I, cigar smokers have rights too. We say this, you know, we've said this before on the show, but I think it's really important that we go out of our way to recognize places that go out of their way to provide people an area to smoke cigars, especially in a nice place like this, because yes. you know you can. You can find hole-in-the-wall places that have an outdoor porch, and that's that's appreciated, too, by the way. you know. By the way, it's set up beautifully, too. So uh, the upstairs area, we're out on this upstairs patio. When you walk in the door um, and you walk towards the stairs, the first thing you see at the bottom of the stairs is this beautiful humidor. And uh, there's not a lot of selection, but the selection they have is so well curated. There's oh, every, something for everybody. And uh, every cigar I see and in there, I go, every oh, I want one Yeah, of those. every <laughs> cigar is great in there. So it's, Thank it's you, Jared really and Stogies. <laughs> right? yeah. They do no, such a nice job, yeah. Yeah, very nicely done. So uh, I want to ask you a little bit about what I would say that B&B, if we put you guys in the steakhouse category, mm-hmm. your selection, your whole bar, but in particular the whiskey, is crazy diverse. Like it's it's there's more to choose from and there's more bottles of things, correct me if I'm wrong, that you maybe didn't expect to see or aren't used to seeing in other places that are you know, more like sort of like standard steakhouses. Well right? frankly, like when I walk into a place and I'm a, I'm an experienced whiskey drinker I would say. And I walk in and I look at the bottle selection and I go, whoa, I haven't tried that and I haven't tried that. And like it's kind of exciting because, yeah, you know. So, well, and it's one of those things, though, uh, you know, part of it's trial and error. Um, you know, when I took over the bar here, the back bar looked a little different. So, you know, I've been able to slowly start to kind of change its identity. Um, you never know when you're starting what. Will that resonate with people yeah right? absolutely yeah. sure um so you kind of you know you play around um the market trend right now which man this has been a great show to talk about this but is you know you're trending towards more americans um but the thing for for me personally is what i what i don't like is you walk in to a nice bar you know you look up and you see all these beautiful amber bottles but none of them are new none of them are different right um right. you know I, they're all stuff that you've either had or somebody's told you about um, I, I think that the challenge is to to meet somewhere in the middle where you you meet the the common demands, but at the same time you're able to say if, if somebody says, "Well, I'd like to order this," I always have my bar staff. They, they always have a second alternative that's maybe craftier or has a different mash bill, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, for some, for example, if someone orders Crown Royal, um, I've been a big supporter of a, a of a fairly new whiskey called Legacy uh, out of the Buffalo Trace Distillery, and Love so Buffalo Trace. oh yeah, yes, and, and, and and Mr. Mayville's pet project with the Legacy is phenomenal. It doesn't even taste like Canadian whiskey; um, it tastes like whiskey, uh, which for those of you who know and love whiskey whiskey will understand kind of what what that means 
Um, but things like that where it's just, you know, somebody says, well, I'll, I'll have a, you know, a, a Makers on the Rocks. Well, have you tried Michter's? You know, have you tried mm-hmm. this? And having that alternative to offer in a similar price point. So that's, uh, it's interesting because that's one of the things I was going to ask you. This whiskey that we're sampling here today is just phenomenal. But I don't know if I could have, and, and I'm, Ian, you're better at this than me, but I don't know if I could have looked at the bar, scanned the bottles and thought, Oh, I want to try that one. And it's such a great taste experience. How do you get people to try some of these things that you might stock because you've tried them, you think they're fantastic, but people may not know them well, the that, same way? That's there's that's kind of like a two-part answer. Like One is my, my bar staff is phenomenal. Um, they I have an incredible team. They're very tight-knit. They educate each other. They push each other to learn more about spirits. Um, so that's one. Uh, number two is when I when I when I bring on a spirit or I'm tasting through a spirit, um, does it have a story? Uh, I, I feel like especially at a place you know like B and B where our price point can be on the upper echelon. You know we we are not a. Uh, you're not a discount. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're not a value steakhouse by any stretch. So, But that also, that's part of when you're curating that back bar is being able to say, I've got whiskeys that you can get that are super approachable and affordable, and then I have whiskeys that have a comma in the price tag. Well, that brings that brings to light, too, that like a place like B&B, when you come here, uh, you're selling an experience. Absolutely. It's not just selling a steak. You're selling an experience. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and, and again, when you, you know, when you're selling the story, and that's part of your experience, it's like, oh, man, when I was at B&B, I had this dry-aged steak, and I had this bacon, and I had this whiskey that, you know, what, what was what the distillery closed in 1975. So I was, I'm literally drinking history. Right. No, that's part of it. You're right. It's it's the story, and I think it's one of the appeals uh, behind craft beer as well. Yeah, is yes. to be able to tell the story a little bit about what's going on, how the beer was crafted. Maybe the brewery is one of those super eco friendly breweries, sure. and that you know that I love when I love when the different breweries have have a story. We have a bit of a story here on the show as well, and part of the story seems to be as Ian opens a heavier beer. Uh, <laughs> That we uh, we seem to try things that other people pick up on. Now I'm not saying that, and I'm name checking him for the second time in the show today. Josh Noel oh, wow. from Chicago, from the Chicago Tribune. He's the guy that put the that list beer maker, list yeah. we did. Yes, uh, he actually recently did, and recently, as in last week, did his own light beer blind taste test. Does that sound familiar to you, Ian? Light beer blind taste test? <laughs> that does sound <laughs> yeah. familiar. Uh, he rounded up three Chicago craft beer brewers and gave them a blind tasting of 13 lighter lagers made by some of the largest brewers. They were Jim Sabak of Revolution Brewing, Matt Gallagher of Half Acre Beer Company, and Brian Pawala of Pollyanna Brewing Company. And fr- this, these are the beers he had them taste. Now, interestingly, when we did ours, it, they all had to be a light version of of something. In other words, it had to say light on the label. Right. We didn't do Keystone beer even though that's fairly light. We did Keystone light right. as an example. Uh, so he wasn't quite that true to that, but here's what he did. He did um, Budweiser, Bud Light, Bush, Bush Light, Michelob Ultra and Natty Ice. And then he did Coors Banquet, Coors Light, Keystone Light, Hams, the Miller High Life, uh, and then Paps Blue Ribbon Old Style and Schlitz. The guys that did this picked out three they thought were standouts. Tied for number two, Paps Blue Ribbon. Nice. And the one that was our number one, Miller Lite. That's funny. It was our number one on ours. 
They're number one, and I have to admit, I haven't had one of these beers in maybe, I don't know, 20 years. Oh. Hams. From the, I, la- you know, from I was the land just, of a thousand lakes. When you said that, it flashed back to the, the can. Yeah. Uh-huh. The know. commercial with the bear. Hams, the beer refreshing. <laughs> it's a, a beer that's more than 150 years old. They said it's maybe the most robust one we've had yet. But there's nothing bad about it. That was the quote from the... Uh, I do have to say that as a Pacific Northwest guy, uh, I I feel that this list is geographically biased, that there's a Northeast beers, but no Rainier. Yeah, okay, okay, yep, I I get it. Well, um, I'm proud to announce that we are working on scheduling Light Beer Blind Taste Test 2.0. And if you have suggestions, get us up on the Facebook, just send us a message. And I'd also like to say... Before we get into tasting a beer that is not at all light, um, that if you have connections to a region of the U.S. where a light beer is sold that we might not be able to get here in Texas, if you want to send us a couple of bottles, we'll reciprocate. We'll send you some Lone Star Light or something that you might not be able to get there. You know, Hit us it, up it, on Facebook. Yeah, hit us up on Facebook and we'll do it. I will say that while I was in Florida... I was able to purchase some Yangling Light, which I was able to uh, to bring back, and that will be in our next uh, Light Beer Blind Taste Test because they don't sell it here. So, and now it's in for like something, nine states, I think. and now for something completely different. Completely <laughs> different, uh, Ian. You've already opened this bad boy. What is it? This is uh, Dogfish Head, which is just known for pushing the limits of uh, everything. Dude, yes. Um, this is their old school Dogfish Head barley wine style ale, brewed with figs and dates. It is 15% ABV. So this is the highest we've tasted This is the highest one today. We went from 9.3 to 10 to 15. All right. Very good. I didn't get one. I don't know whether you looked at the Oh, I'm sorry. This one right here. Oh, thank you. Thank you. No, we don't don't let you taste beers anymore. (laughs) No. (laughs) Laugh at the barley wine again. If if we go over 10.5 ABV, I don't get to taste. Is that it? (laughs) (laughs) You you get strange, you know. Oh, yes. Uh, Well, I can tell you on the nose, this is fantastic. Yeah. And figs and dates are right up front in this. Mm -hmm. And there's a really beautiful bitterness on the back palate to this barley wine. Yes, yes. And barley wine doesn't usually have a bitterness on the end, which is interesting about that because uh, this has such a nice little bitter snap to the end of it. I'm Uh, wondering... It finishes really well. As a guy that also has to know the wine world... If, if some of that bitterness and this comes from like the skins of the fig and date, like that what would be, I guess, tannin in the wine world. Maybe. But I would almost wonder if that's like, unfortunately, there's, I'm far more educated about distilling than <laughs> There's an than oakiness. Brewing. There's an oakiness to that bitterness, well, too, yeah. that, that, like a little astringency. And I really like this. I will say that one of the things that makes it harder for me to drink more than one barley wine is it's a little they're a little sweet to me like Absolutely. I enjoy it from a flavor standpoint but I don't necessarily want another one the bitterness on the finish here kind of cancels that out for me this is like I'm like how many of these did you bring yeah. I don't know that oddly enough I don't know that this one is as sweet as either of the two other beers we've tried yeah, it's I don't think a little so. less yeah. sweet in yeah. the in the front even though you get a lot of that date and um, and fig it's got a lot of that flavor it's robust but uh, it's not like real sweet also the mouthfeel on this it's not as uh thick as the it's thick but it's not as thick as the ranger uh creek one that we tried as well no. this actually speaks like cocktail style to me like maybe yeah, like a yeah, shandy almost. or something right, like yeah, a whiskey has dogfish head ever done anything wrong i i haven't had a dogfish head beer that i go man i'd never drink that again ever it, once no. like a, it was really and interesting 
Indian Brown Ale. I want to give a shout out to that. That stuff's amazing. Too. It was interesting being on vacation with uh, the family. Lots of uh, you know, lots of light beer. Lots of Bud Light was in the coolers. Uh, I had. I want to say shout out to Brianna and Adam. By the way, my stepson and his girlfriend got engaged. Congratulations. We uh, and Brianna. Who is wonderful? She was with me down in the IPAs. It was it, we were having a great time, uh, but a lot of uh, you know a lot of Yangling, a lot of uh, uh, Bud Light. But the one thing that I noticed is when I brought up Dogfish Head, everybody was like, "Oh, that's great! Yep. Dogfish Head is so amazing." So that was my my point. Even among lighter beer drinkers, there's a certain amount of respect for Dogfish Head and big respect we have for B and B Butchers. This is our home away from home. Jeremiah, thank you for being on the show. Man, always a pleasure. Anytime and you guys want so to hang out. So good to see you. Anytime you guys want to hang and, out. And uh, oh, well, then in that case, we'll see you at the bar in about five minutes. Perfect. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Next week, our fiftieth show, we will have some very special things in mind, and we'll be welcoming Joey Williams from Specs. Thanks for listening. It's smoking and toasting, and uh, cheers. Cheers. Cheers.